Welcome to the teaching ministry of The Cause Church. We pray you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. We're starting a new series today called Jesus Over Everything. Jesus Over Everything is the title of my message as well. Would you say those words with me? Say, Jesus Over Everything. Come on, say it one more time. Jesus over everything. We're going we're gonna to do a book study of Colossians, and there's a few reasons I chose to do this. One is that for those of you that have been around the church for a while, you would know that my dad, Pastor Bob, who graduated to heaven on February 20th, every summer, almost every summer, he would do a book study. He'd choose a short book of the Bible, and he'd preach on it. So that's one reason. But another reason is that we are people of the Word of God. Our church believes in the power of God's word. Friends, you realize that the word of God is not given to us just for information. Of course, there is an informational aspect to it in terms of teaching us about who God is and, and how to live, but it's really, God really gave us his word for transformation. And so we love the word, we learn the word, and we live the word at the Cause Church. And we've uh, been talking a lot about having a strong foundation and spiritual growth. I don't know if you picked up on that the last couple of months. In fact, the theme of VBS, you can still see it up here, is concrete and cranes. We're building our faith on Christ the cornerstone. That was one of the songs that we just sang. Pastor Jack Hayford said, to read and study God's word is to lay the foundation for all understanding and growth as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so I wanna focus on a specific book and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us and teach us and show us how to apply his word in our lives. By the way, we offer many, many opportunities at the Cause Church for you to uh, know God's word and to grow in his word. One of the opportunities is Next Steps, and that'll help connect you to the church family, understand who we are, give you some principles on spiritual growth, discovering your gifts as well. Step three is called grow, and we teach you how to read the word of God and hear God's voice. In fact, we give you a grow journal. Another opportunity is connect groups where you can make good friends and discuss and apply the word of God in your life. Another opportunity is our precepts ministry that John Boulevard leads, and you can learn the inductive Bible study method, line upon line, precept upon precept, word by word. Another opportunity is our internship ministry, which will be starting again. You'll, you'll start hearing about it soon. It'll start in September. Listen, if you want to give 10, 11 months of your life, commit, commit it to the Lord and, and grow deeper spiritually than maybe you, more so than you ever have in your life, grow in his word, then you ought to be part of our internship. So there's a lot of opportunities where we can equip you to grow in the word of God here at the church. And you can get more information about all those things in, in the lobby at the Connection Center. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to the book of Colossians? And I've kind of been speaking to this, and I probably will continue to do so, but especially in the next couple of weeks, I wanna encourage you to bring a physical Bible with you to church. I know all of us have the Bible on our smartphones, and, but there's just something about having a, an actual Bible in, in front of you. If you don't own one, come up to us afterwards, and we'd love to give you one. As you're turning to Colossians, let me give you kind of an overview of, of the book since this is the first week. Colossians is a, a letter or an epistle written by the Apostle Paul around the year AD 61. That's about 30 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. Paul wrote this during his first imprisonment in Rome. 
And he wrote it to this church in the city of Colossa. That's why it's called Colossians. Colossa was a, a small town, wasn't even actually that big, 100 miles east of Ephesus. Ephesus is a city that Paul spent three years of ministry in, and the Lord did incredible things. And there's a book called Ephesians where Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. But the church in Colossa was a result of Paul's uh, ministry in Ephesus. It was so profound that it extended beyond 100 miles, and this new church was planted out of it by a na man named Epaphras, who came to Christ and, and then planted this church. Paul actually never visited the city of Colossa, but he had a heart for the church. And so, uh, uh, by the way, the church was very likely, the church in Colossae very likely met in Philemon's home. And you'll know that if you have read the book of um, Philemon, you'll recognize that name. So during Paul's imprisonment, Epaphras, the leader of the church in Colossae, is everybody still tracking with me? Yeah. All right, okay, good. Epaphras contacted Paul, probably via letter, and asked for Paul's help to deal with a false teaching that was invading the church in Colossae. And it was very likely a, a, a heresy that was called Gnosticism. Gnosticism, which taught that through special knowledge and rigorous self-discipline, you could achieve spiritual fullness. Part of what it taught, by the way, is that Jesus was not fully God, and he was not fully man. He was some sort of semi-divine being. Maybe he was an angel. And so Gnosticism taught that Jesus was lacking in both the authority and ability to meet the needs of the Colossians. And so Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, motivated by his love for these believers in Colossae, Paul wrote this letter, he wrote this epistle to expose and demolish this lie that was trying to invade the truth, the, the church, excuse me, and to communicate to them the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And so I specifically chose Colossians because no other book in the New Testament more fully and completely explains the majesty, the power, the authority, the supremacy, the sovereignty, and the preeminence of Jesus Christ. Colossians reminds us that Jesus is sufficient for every need. Not just some needs, not just most needs, for every single need. He is more than sufficient for every need, and he is the most powerful being in the entire universe. And so we're going to look at one chapter a week starting today, and, and I, I won't teach verse by verse, but we will focus on a specific passage. And I'm actually going to read something. I've never seen a pastor in all my years of church, I don't, somebody's probably done it, I've never seen a pastor do this. I'm going to read an entire chapter of the Bible right now. We're going to read it together and allow the Word of God to speak to us as we read, and then I'll share a few thoughts. I want to invite you to stand to your feet if you would right now. I'm going to read out, the, out of the New Living Translation. And actually, uh, let's pray first. In fact, if you have your Bible, just put it on, on your heart. Let me pray. Jesus, speak to us right now. The power of your word, penetrate our hearts. Bring change and transformation. Let us see you, Lord, in a way we've never seen you, that we would more fully and completely surrender to you. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. amen. All right, here we go, Colossians 1. 
This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved coworker. He is Christ's faithful servant and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. And then this is the passage we're gonna really focus on starting in verse 13. By the way, you can say amen anytime we're reading the word. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body for I am 
participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. And so we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We wanna present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard. <laughs> depending, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Somebody say amen. Come on, before you sit down, say, before you sit down, tell somebody, say, I know that was a lot, but you needed all of that. Come on, I know that was a lot, but you needed all of that. <laughs> Whew, all right. According to dictionary.com, <laughs> the word majesty means supreme greatness or authority. Sovereignty, and this is one of the other definitions that it listed. Christ in majesty, a representation of Christ as ruler of the universe. I don't know if you picked up on it or not, but in verses 13 to 22, we see the word everything five times. We see the word all four times, all in relation to the majesty of Jesus. And so I'm gonna quickly give you four truths about Christ's majesty and what I believe our response should be. Number one is Jesus is God in the flesh. He is supreme over everything. I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase before, if you want something done right, do it yourself. If you want something done right, do it yourself. My beautiful wife, Jenny, by the way, didn't my wife do, and I know it was her, her team, Jillian and Travis and all of the volunteers, but Jenny led our, our VBS program in ministry this past week, and I'm just so proud of her. And come on, give her a round of applause and just thank her for investing. Great job with the baptizing the kids. But Jenny and I have been married for almost 17 years, and I could count on both hands the number of times that I have tried to iron my, my clothes. And without fail, every single time, about 90 seconds into it, Jenny says, what are you doing? And she pushes me out of the way, and then she proceeds to iron my clothes, which doesn't bother me, by the way, because I didn't really want to iron them in the first place. Because if you want something done right, do it yourself. I've tried doing that with folding laundry, by the way, but Jenny knows that I can actually fold laundry, so I, I fold a lot of laundry. But listen, God wanted to do the job of saving you right, so he came to earth himself. He didn't come as an angel or a prophet or some celestial being. God came as a person. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. The word image means exact revelation and representation. Everything God is, Christ is also, because Jesus is God in the flesh. That's what theologians call the incarnation, God incarnate in Christ. Friends, if you wanna know what God is like, look at Jesus. 
Jesus Christ is perfect theology. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Not just some, not just most, in all his fullness. Great preacher Charles Spurgeon said, in these words, all fullness. We hear the echo of his death cry. It is finished. We are to bring nothing but to find the fullness of all in him. We are simply to receive out of his fullness, grace for grace. For we are not asked to contribute, nor required to make up deficiencies, for there are none to make up. All, all is laid up in Christ. See, part of the appeal of, of the heresy of Gnosticism back then was that it promised its followers new and special knowledge. The Greek word is G-N-O-S-I-S, gnosis. It was a self-serving intellectual kind of knowledge. Sounds like some of the whack philosophies and ideologies that are around today, by the way. And so Paul says in verse nine, we ask God to give you complete knowledge, complete knowledge of his will. The word that Paul uses is epinosis. That means not just an intellectual kind of knowledge, not just where you know about something, but an experiential knowledge where you know that you know that you know in your heart. Friends, do you know that you know that you know that God loves you? I'm not just talking about here. Have you experienced his love? Have you experienced his grace? Have you experienced his mercy? Have you experienced his power, his presence? Come on, his goodness, his kindness, his forgiveness. Do you know that you know that you know? Jesus is God in the flesh. He is supreme over everything. Is he supreme over everything in your life? Do you know about Jesus or do you really know him for yourself? Verse 27, Paul says, Christ lives in you. New King James says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus is supreme over everything and I think our response should be, I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I know that I know that Jesus is over everything in my life. Number two, second truth is that Jesus is the creator. He created everything. Hebrews chapter 12, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 11, verse three in the Amplified, it says, by faith, that is with an inherent trust and enduring confidence in the power, wisdom, and goodness of God. We understand that the world's universe, ages were framed and created form, put in order and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Genesis chapter one, verse three, in the beginning, if all God needed to, to do was simply say, let there be light. <laughs> if he just needed to speak a few words and light is created out of darkness. And by the way, light travels at a rate of 670 million, 616,629 miles per hour. And since he spoke, light has never stopped traveling. And even the most brilliant scientific minds alive today still do not understand light. In fact, they don't even know how to properly define it. And by the way, science, it's always called scientific theories because they're just guesses. They don't know. They're just trying to figure it out. 
They don't even know how atoms hold together and how they don't just, everything just doesn't shoot off into space. You know why? We just read why. Because Jesus himself is the one who is the creator and he made all the things that we can see and the things that we can't see and everything was created through him and by him and for him and everything holds together in him. Friends, if he is the creator, then why don't you trust him in every part of your life? If he created everything, then why don't we trust him in everything? Why would you not trust him to pull you out of the darkness of depression? Why would you not trust him to open up a new job opportunity for you? Why would you not trust him to break the chains of addiction in your life? Why would you not trust him to heal your marriage? Why would you not trust him to heal you of cancer? Why would you not trust him to forgive all of your sin? If he's the creator, I think our response should be, I trust Jesus with everything in my life. Can somebody say amen? amen. Come on, 11.30, you gotta talk back to me. I'm, I'm, I'm giving him my best shot, all right? I need, I need some, some energy. Number three is Jesus is the head of the church. He's first in everything. Jesus is the head of the church. He's first in everything. My mom, Pastor Sherry, says this a lot. The church is not a building. The church is a people. We are the church. We are the, you and I are the church, friends. We are his body, the body of Christ, the ones that bring the light, love, power of Jesus to our worlds. We are his hands and his feet. And Jesus is the head. He's first. He is our leader. Another word for that, the biblical word, is that he is Lord. Lord is owner, master, controller, one in authority. He is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. And uh, I chose Colossians because it, it articulates so powerfully the lordship of Jesus that he is Lord of everything. In fact, the earliest confession of faith in the church was Jesus is Lord. And that's why when we baptize people, you just heard it a few minutes ago, kids saying, Jesus is my Lord. He is my Savior. So in your life, Jesus is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. In other words, friends, Jesus is not just part of my life. He is my life. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ lives in you, friends. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But the life that I live, I now live, that I, the life that I live in the body, I now live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen, some people compartmentalize their life. Men are especially good at doing this. They compartmentalize their life. In fact, they think of, I think they think of life, not that they consciously do this, but it's almost like they think of life as a, as a pie. And by the way, if you're gonna think of life as a pie, I think you ought to think of a Dutch apple pie because there's no better pie than that. Maybe May the Lord speak to some of you right now and, and deposit in your spirit to, to bake your pastor a Dutch apple pie and then to bless me with it. And listen, if he tells you to do that, I'm not gonna refuse because I want him to bless you for your obedience. Sorry. So you think of a pie and you think of, so one slice, I'm a dad. And then another slice, I'm a husband. And then another slice, I'm a son. And another slice, I'm a brother. And another slice, I'm a pastor. And then another slice, I'm a Dodgers fan. Come on, help me preach, Dodgers fans. And then another slice, I'm a Mexican food lover. That's true. 
Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, and then in another slice, I'm a Christian. I, I do that on Sundays. I do that on Sundays when I come to church. The problem when you live your life like that, you, maybe you act like a Christian, you smell like a Christian, you look like a Christian on Sundays in church. You, you know when to hop, dance, shout, and say amen. But if Jesus is left here, here, in this compartment, and he doesn't go here to where you're a dad, in your parenting, and as a husband in loving your wife, and as an employee at work, come on somebody, if he doesn't go with, if he's just in that one compartment, you got a problem. You got a problem. Because he's not part of your life, he is your life. He's everything. If you're gonna think of your life, don't think of it as a pie, think of it as a wheel, where Jesus is the center, and everything else flows from that, friends. First and foremost, I am a born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, devil-butt-kicking, dangerous to hell. Come on, somebody. Filled with the power of God, I am a Jesus follower unashamed. More than anything else. And, and everything else that I do flows from that. And so when I'm a dad, I'll do, I'm not perfect, but I'll do it to the best that I can with the love of Jesus. And as a husband, and I fall, fall, fall sh so short often, but I'm gonna love my wife as well as I can. And as a pastor, I'm just doing my best, but I'm gonna do it with the love and the power of God. And when, you know, and, and in your own environment, because Jesus is Lord of our life, that should be our response. He's Lord of everything in my life. He's Lord of my marriage. He's Lord of my parenting. He's Lord of my business. He's Lord of my finances. He's Lord of my emotions. He's Lord of my decisions, my thoughts, my time, my hobbies, my private life when no one else is with me and nobody else is looking. Come on. He's Lord of my future. He's Lord of my heart. He's even Lord of my sports teams, which is why I'm not a San Francisco Giants fan, because that's the devil's team. Everybody knows that. He's Lord of every part. Andrew's amen in me now. He's Lord of every part of my, my life. He's first in everything. Here's the fourth truth, and I'll close with this. Number four, Jesus is the Savior. He reconciled everything. He reconciled everything. The word reconciled means to bring two estranged parties together. I'm not preaching about this, but some of us, in here, we, we need to be reconciled in our marriage, strange from our spouse. And listen, the, the tough part of that is that requires two people to, to desire that, but God can bring healing and he can help you bring reconciliation. But every person, apart from Jesus Christ, including you and including me, friends, we are estranged from God, and the reason is because of our sin. It's our selfishness, it's our brokenness, it's our rebellion against God doing things our own way. And, and we just read, Paul says, we were enemies of God. God is perfect and he's holy. He's without sin and so our sin separates us from him. And there's no way in your own effort, in my own effort, no matter how hard we would ever try, there's no way that we can be reconciled to God. And so God himself did it all through his son. Verse 22, yet now he has reconciled, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. The Bible says in Leviticus 17, 11, that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Because sin, what sin does is it steals, it takes life away. It robs you of God's 
best life, the kind of life that he wants you to live. And so life is required to repay what sin has stolen. And so Jesus came and he gave his life and he shed his blood to purchase your freedom, to pay the price for your sin. Your physical life is in your blood, but your eternal life is in his blood. Jesus was a sacrifice for your reconciliation with God. The blood of Christ is forever the only means of attaining a right relationship with the Holy God. Charles Spurgeon said, Jesus must be able to save to the uttermost since all fullness dwells in him. Come, sinner, come and receive him. Believe in him and you shall find yourself made perfect in Christ Jesus. The moment a sinner believes and trusts in his crucified God, his pardon at once he receives, redemption in full through his blood. Amen. Verse 22, as a result, Paul says, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Friends, by the way, that's not talking about future when you stand before the Lord in heaven. That's talking about right now. It's talking about right now. That's how God sees you because of Christ. Jesus over everything. At the cross, not only did we exchange our sinfulness for his righteousness, not only did we exchange our brokenness for his holiness, not only did we exchange our, our imperfection for his perfection, but we also exchanged our darkness for his light. We exchanged our weakness for his strength. We exchanged our sickness for his healing. We exchanged our addiction for his freedom. We exchanged our fear for his peace, our depression for his joy, our guilt for his grace, our shame for his love, our physical death for his eternal life. Come on, we exchange our nothing for his everything. And so our response should be, Jesus gave me everything. And so I give everything to him. Jesus over everything. Lord of all lords, King of all kings. I wanna close by showing you a video that I really like. We've shown it before, but it's been a while. You're gonna hear the voice of a credible African-American pastor and preacher, Dr. S.M. Lockridge. His name, is, his name was Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. Hey, if your name's Shadrach Meshach, you know you're gonna be a preacher. And he just so powerfully, I think, encapsulates and articulates the majesty of Jesus, and let this encourage you this morning. The Bible says my king is a king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon. 
nothing of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. That's my king. That's my king. I wonder if you know him. Friends, that's, that's the question I want to close with. Do you know him? I'm not asking, do you know about him? Do you know him? Do you know him? Jesus has done everything. He's done everything, but you still have to choose to receive what he's done for you. You have to choose to surrender your life to him. And nobody else can do that for you, and he won't force himself on you. It's your decision. You have free will. The Bible says today's the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, today. Today's the day. You're the person. You make the choice. God will make the change. I wonder if you're ready to make that decision today. I wonder if you want to know him. Maybe you've never made that decision before. Maybe you're watching online, and you just felt God's speaking to you, drawing you to himself. Maybe you prayed a prayer once, but you've walked away and you want to come back to him. You want him to be the Lord of your life. You want to live for him. You want to serve him. Friends, his arms are open and his arms are loving. They're kind. They're merciful. My dad used to say that God is not mad at you, but he is mad about you. Would you respond to him today? I want to give you that opportunity right now. Would you close your eyes for a moment? Just give the gift of privacy to yourself and everybody around you. If you're watching online, this is for you too. You can let our online team know.
If you say, John, I want to make that decision today for the first time. I want to be in relationship with God. I want Jesus to be my Lord. Or you're coming back to him, radical recommitment, saying, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to walk away. I'm going to walk with him. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hand and make eye contact with me. I'm, I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out, but I want to see you and agree with you. And then I'm gonna lead all of us in a prayer. There's tons of people at the 10 o'clock service, so many people responding to the Lord. I wanna give you that opportunity right now. On the count of three, would you raise your hand and look at me? One, two, three. Lift your hand and hold it high. See a couple in the back right there. Praise God. God loves you, friend. I, I know you, friend. God sees you. Anybody else here this morning? Just give one more moment. It's so good. Bible says, you guys can open up your eyes. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that means you're making a decision to follow him. If you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So this is the first step to following him for the rest of your life. And there's a couple people who raise their hand, maybe some online. I want to lead all of us in a prayer of salvation and confession together for those who responded. And I'd like to invite you to pray this simple prayer. Repeat after me. Pray it loud and pray it strong this morning. Would you pray with me? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of all of my sin. And right now, I ask Jesus to be my Lord. I surrender my life to you. And I ask him to be my Savior. Make me a new person. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. And I declare that heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church. Can we celebrate this morning? Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.